Welcome to He That Hath Ears, Listen Podcast. My name is Dave Krupa, a Christian and student of the Bible. Each episode, I will share lessons I learned from God's Word to help on the Christian journey in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time exploring the Bible with me today. Now, let's listen. So it's finally here, springtime. And as every other person in the United States, my wife and I started spring cleaning the yard. Part of my chore was to put the chairs and all the other furniture back on our dock that we have around our pond. When I was doing this, I reflected back a couple summers ago when she said, I would like to have a dock around this pond. Now, I confess to the fact that I can't really build anything. I tried several times, but usually just end up frustrated and some broken splinters of wood. At the time when I reminded her of this, she responded, There's nothing you can't do if you get a book. I thought about this for a moment and ended up agreeing. So we built this dock, and to my surprise, it came out quite nice. And as I sat on it the other day, much, much to my surprise, it's held up for several seasons, including the wild winters we have in Pennsylvania. I realized I learned some pretty good lessons from building this dock. The first lesson. Get a book, or at least some sort of guidance. At the time, I had no idea where to start. So, I went to the store, and as she suggested, bought a book. I studied it over and over and over again, referring back to it the whole time I was working on this dock. This book kept me headed in the right direction. And when I had a question or thought I might be making a mistake, I found the answer right there in the pages of that book. I know, looking back, if I would have skipped this first step, the doc probably wouldn't have turned out at all. Lesson number two. Begin with the end in mind. The book pointed out very early that in order to build a dock, You must design it from the top down, but you actually build it from the ground up. Therefore, you must have a clear vision of what you want it to look like. You have to have a picture of how big, how wide, what kind of railings you want, which way the boards will be going. You have to decide where you want the steps to go. Do you want it off the ground at all or not? In what direction? You must have a very clear picture in your mind of what it will look like. Then you take it apart and put it together from the ground up until you get a finished product. Lesson number three. It must have a good foundation. The book pointed out that for any structure to stand through our winters and the constant shifting of the ground as well as the actual water, it must be anchored well below the frost line with cement. 
This meant many, many hours of digging holes throughout my yard. Then I had to cement posts in, but this extra effort will be worth it since this dock should stand for many years. And so far, it has. Lesson number four. Mistakes will happen, and they can be fixed. I made a lot of mistakes during the construction of this dock, but realized from the book that I used that all of those mistakes could be fixed. There was a lot of anxiety and feelings of frustration, and oftentimes I just felt like giving up. But the thought of the finished product kept me going. When things wouldn't quite go together, I'd refer to the book. I take them back apart and correct the problem. I came to the realization that I couldn't be perfect, but I could achieve the goal. Lesson number five. Quality materials lead to quality finished product. I went over budget on this project, but we were not sucked into the thinking of using cheaper materials. We wanted this dock to be strong and to last for quite a while. So we used the highest quality we could find. The result was a dock that my family really enjoys and hopefully should be around for the next 15 to 20 years or so. As I sat there on that dock thinking about all those lessons learned, I realized that they are also lessons that we can apply to our life in Christ. I can't really say they're universal lessons, but in a spiritual context, they are lessons that can help us grow. Let's start with lesson number one, the book. Of course, in the spiritual context, the book is the Bible, the Word of God. We are told that in order to be saved, one of the very first things for us to have is faith. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10 and 17. 2 Peter 1 and 21 says this, For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoken from God. 2 Timothy 3 and 16 says, all scripture is inspired by God and beneficial for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, for training in righteousness. And if you would, turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 3. Listen to this. Behold, the sower went out to sow. As he was sowing, some seed fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And when the sun had risen, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns and the thorns came up and choked it and it yielded no crop. Other seeds fell into the good soil and as they grew up and increased, they yielded a crop and produced thirty, sixty, and a hundred times as much. And he was saying, 
He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And as soon as he, that is Jesus, was alone, his followers, along with the twelve disciples, began asking him about the parables. And he was saying to them, To you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, but for those who are outside everything comes in parables, so that while seeing they may see and not perceive, and while hearing they may hear and not understand. Otherwise they might return and it would be forgiven them. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. These are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown to them. And in a similar way, these are the ones sown with seed on the rocky places, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And yet they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. Then when affliction or persecution occurs because of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown with seed among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things enter and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And those are the ones sown with seed on the good soil. And they hear the word, and accept it, and bear fruit, thirty, sixty, and a hundred times as much. From these verses we find that the Bible was written by man, inspired by the Holy Spirit. It is what God wants us to know. It is written for our instruction, our correction, and to build us up. It is the key ingredient that is absolutely necessary for us to be fruitful and achieve the desired goal, that of reaching heaven. Second lesson. We need to know what the goal is and keep focused on it, beginning with the end in mind. Paul wrote, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, Philippians 3 and 14. We need to go from the end back until now. Now the end is told to us by our Lord in Matthew 25, verses 31 through 34, if you'll turn there. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne, and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, just as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Golfers, I'm told, often use a technique of visualizing the ball going into the hole. But how can we visualize the goal of heaven? The book has the answer. 
Let's look at Revelations chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And if you drop down to verse 22, I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God the Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illuminated it, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. In the daytime, for there will be no night there, its gates will never be closed, and they will bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. Now let's look at Revelations chapter 22. And he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street, on either side of the river, was the tree of life, bearing twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There will no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his bondservants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and there will no longer be any night, and they will not have need of the light of the lamp nor the light of the sun, because the Lord God will illuminate them, and they will reign forever and ever. So, when we want to visualize the end, the book has done it for us. The places that are described as heaven in the Bible sound awful good to me. No more tears, no more tears there. Lesson number three, a strong foundation. Jesus told a story of two men who built houses in Matthew chapter 7, starting with verse 24, if you'll turn there. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell, and its collapse was great. So a foundation is equally paramount in our faith. But what is our foundation? What is the rock that we're supposed to build our faith on? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 16, beginning with verse 16. Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona because flesh and blood do not reveal this to you. But my Father who is in heaven, 
And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. What's the rock that Jesus was building his church on? That Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. And upon that rock, he is going to build his church, and the gates of Hades will never be able to overpower it. Peter talked about a foundation as well. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 5-6 to six. Ye also, as lively stones, are built upon a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Sion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Lesson number four. Mistakes will happen, but can be corrected. As we read the scriptures, we can find many, many examples of people who made mistakes and corrected them and were approved of God. Jonah made the mistake of not going where God wanted him to go. David committed mistakes, but yet was still said to be a man after God's own heart. Paul persecuted the church, but corrected his mistake and was instrumental in establishing the same church which he once persecuted. Jesus tells the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15. This young man definitely made some mistakes, yet his father rejoiced when he returned for he had come to realize his mistakes and corrected them. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is being poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Matthew 26 and 28 Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous, so that he will forgive us our sins, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 We are imperfect creatures, and thus we will make mistakes. But the perfect sacrifice was given to cover these mistakes. All we must do is to repent of our mistakes and in a sense, to take it apart and put it back together correctly. Jesus gave his life so that we can be found without blemish to God. It is by being in Christ we can experience this continual cleansing, the correcting of our mistakes.
Lesson five, if you remember, was using quality materials. When we're talking about building our faith, we must remember to use quality materials. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. I think the most common mistake of not using quality material in our spiritual life is following the doctrine of men rather than that of the scriptures. Oftentimes it may seem that the material is quality, but we later find out it really isn't. Peter warned of this in 2 Peter chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. But false prophets also appeared among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their indecent behavior. And because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. So in the spiritual sense of things, how do we tell we are using quality materials in our faith? Or how do we tell we're following the correct teachers? Look to the source of the fruit. Luke six forty two through forty five. How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite! First take out the log of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. For there is no good tree that bears bad fruit, nor on the other hand a bad tree that bears good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For people do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from a briar bush. The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth what is good. And the evil person, out of the evil treasure, brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. Just as in building a dock, building our faith needs the same steps. We must have a clear vision of what we want. We must take care to use quality material. We need to correct our mistakes as we go along. Make sure it's built on a solid foundation. But most importantly, we must have guidance and direction. The book we use can guide us in all facets of life. The answer to any problem or any challenge can be found in its pages. We must refer back to it as we move along in our project, that is, saving our soul, making sure we don't deviate from the plan. God has given us the blueprint for success. He has given us the instructions on how to implement it, 
and the guidance for mistakes we make along the way. All we have to do is follow the directions. Thanks for listening. W. Clement Stone wrote, That which you share multiplies, that which you withhold diminishes. If you found this podcast enjoyable, share the link with someone you care about.